Yes, yes, yes! Welcome once again, show that comes to you once a week, covering the Hollywood week that was and the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike, and Mike, are you ready for our special edition where we highlight the best 32 moments in WrestleMania history in the lead-up to WrestleMania 35 next Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) What? Are we not doing that? (laughs) That's what I prepared. What doc are you working off of? How was your week, Mike? I am a terrible actor. That was our lame, very lame attempt at an April Fool's joke, which is not really a joke because Mike really wants to needle me I'm into doing that. I'm not kidding at all about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my week was good. It was a highly weird week. We got yeah. a lot of stuff to cover. And Michael, we had some phenomenal audience interaction this week. Tip of the hat to you. Yeah, tip of the hat to our listeners, too. A lot yeah. of creative answers coming in and we just had some questions that we had uh, as far as our MMO Asks series goes and we were lucky enough to, to come we up blew with up stuff this week we did well we did well and a lot of people we couldn't have done that without the listeners giving us their creativity so that was awesome so we'll get to that in a minute but first drum roll it's what we're watching <laughs> you went right into it I wasn't even ready to go alright so Mike what are we watching this week I watched Stan and Ollie on VOD this is the Laurel and Hardy story did we they have... do right by your like upbringing with the real Laurel and oh, Hardy absolutely yeah. All right, good. that's good they, to hear they did a wonderful job those two lead performances by John C. Riley and Steve Coogan uh, just tremendous and they got all the mannerisms right they're funny in the roles they're dramatic I'm so happy but again my parents grew up on Laurel and Hardy they made us watch the March of the Wooden Soldiers as kids I remember watching this over my grandparents house as well so it brought back a lot of fun memories I actually watched this with them last Sunday evening oh. which was a nice little, yeah, little family, family affair there family nice. movie night yeah it was a family movie night and uh, you know we're, we're, we were thrilled to dive into it it, it, it it works on many levels good script good everything and it also works on the level of like you know, we have this sort of creative partnership now. Yes, sort of. You're big, I'm short. You're tall, I'm short. We're both fat, though, so it doesn't really pay attention. But, or, you know, it doesn't really, you know, match up in that regard. We're not at the point of, of Dear Laurel there yet, though, right? No, neither one of us are that level of uh, Maybe big, someday bigness. soon. So, uh, hopefully. Fat and happy, please. But uh, we want to kill each other at times. Yes. We send each other texts. Yes. Essentially, you know, every other week where, you know, we're just like threatening our lives. More so or less. If either one of us is off this planet very soon, <laughs> the, the number one suspect is sitting across from me right now or vice versa. But I, I really got a kick on how they handle this. I, I thought it, it works on, on a lot of levels. That's so. good to hear. And uh, Steve Coogan did get the recognition. Was it the BAFTAs? BAFTAs. Yeah. So. so that was fun to see him yeah show up on award season I'm, I, it's one of those scenarios where it, it, it just got nominated late or just released late right and uh, only a few nominations came its way unfortunately I'm trying to look up because I just happened to ask the question in a poll I, I don't know if it was this week or the week before where I was asking our audience's opinions of what they what they thought was more funny between Laurel and Hardy the Marx Brothers the Three Stooges I'll be honest I didn't think Laurel and Hardy were like would have been in the top three of that but they, well, they did very the, well for themselves one of the pioneers of yeah that I guess 
I just kind of missed it because I, I was brought up on the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges type thing, so I always kind of had the idea that Laurel and Hardy were like the afterthoughts, but apparently not the case. And like most things, I was wrong. Well, you were also <laughs> wrong about Peter Lou, Mike. This is Mike Lee's film. That remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this and I really enjoyed it this week. Bottom line, we were afraid after the boring trailers yes. and the Oscar buzz going into last year. Yeah. But this turned out to be a very unique and powerful film in strange ways. There are just great scenes in this that that absolutely floored me. It is really a, a deep dive into the politics of that day, which was fascinating. Now and you I said it was more of a political like thriller or political drama than it is a war movie. It's more of a political drama, yes. And I think you would you would appreciate that. You would appreciate yeah. the rousing that rise of uh, revolution. Yeah, that is uh, not how it was sold in that trailer. I will say, and that's kind of what the worry was from. It seemed like another kind of paint-by-numbers, step-by-step kind of boring war movie, more so than what, it, what, it, what you say it is. It is not a war movie. Yeah. It is about that one event that does happen to be a massacre that, that that's historically founded. Yeah. But bottom line is, this is an excellent screenplay, and I, I wonder how he handled this one, because we know Mike Lee's process now is to simply have his actors Best meet process up. process in Hollywood. Yeah, they meet up, <laughs> and basically they write the screenplay mm-hmm. by... Imp- improvising the whole thing. Imagine getting funding from a studio (laughs) with that as your narrative. Right. (laughs) Where's your script? Well, we don't have one yet. (laughs) It's a troop of actors that basically improvise it. They just go hang out on a farm somewhere. But this one is based so much in the history of it that I wonder how he, you know, basically had to set limits on himself in terms of that, you know, that playtime. Sure. Uh, I don't know how he did it. I'd be, I'm very curious to watch some making of stuff. So the last thing I watched this week, other than NFL Draft and March Madness stuff, Michael, was The Last Man on the Moon. This is on Netflix. This is based on uh, the life of Eugene Cernan. He is literally the last man to walk on the moon. Oh, not according to our vice president there that made the announcement this week, how we're getting back to the moon in five years. He is the last man to walk on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, basically, from the Gemini missions and the documentary filmmakers, they structure this more like a customary documentary. You got interviews with them. You got day in the life with them. You have kind of a chronicling of his life and his history. And, of course, his history with NASA. I love the way that they put it all out of order. I thought that was very interesting, basically, to fit a three-act structure. They're jumping around his timeline, which was so cool. But definitely, if you love First Man, if you love Apollo 11, this is another space documentary now on Netflix that I highly recommend. Is it new? I I haven't heard anything about this one. You're more up-to-date on the Netflix stuff than I am. 2014. But it didn't come out like in concert with Apollo 11 or anything recently. No, no, 2014. So now it's available on Netflix, and they're pumping it. There, you know, popped up in my recommendations, so I uh, I jumped on it. A C by Skip, Mike, Stan and Ollie, Peter Lou, Last Man on the Moon. Go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna buy Stan and Ollie. I'm gonna see Peter Lou again, and you wow. know, I, I, once is enough for the Last Man on the Moon. But but it, it is well done. And what was the best thing you saw this week? It was last night's pair of college basketball games. I would say. Oh yeah, you watched the uh, the watched, Elite Eights there. I watched the two games, and this, this we're recording this on Sunday, so this was Saturday night's right. games. We had the Texas Tech pull away. Uh, from the number one C, Gonzaga. Yeah, one Gonzaga and, and one UNC. I'm went very down. afraid of dra- drafting uh, Hachimura of Gonzaga because he just threw that game away. Oh, no, I didn't watch so it. So bad. Did and you then, do a bracket this year? I did not. No. I don't watch enough college basketball. See, that's, but watch. that's why you're still watching. Because I did a bracket, it all went to shit, and I could not care less about the tournament now. Right, but then the, the game after that, 
you know, the primetime game with between Purdue and Virginia was phenomenal. And Virginia, that was just, that was madness personified. It was wonderful. That last shot in regulation, I feel so bad for Matt Painter and the Purdue guys. That was so bad. <laughs> Purdue kid scored 40-something points. Oh, my God. He was on fire the whole, he was like a little Steph Curry, except on a big tennis goal. He was a goat at the end. Yeah. Oh, Ugh. poor kid. I feel Awful. bad for him. Yeah, me too. What have you been watching, Mike? <laughs> I actually watch a lot. I, I realize, like, we usually get together and we talk about what we're watching for the week. And I, you're a very responsible uh, co-host here, and you keep track throughout the week, and you write little paragraphs and i will tend to usually how i handle it is like when we record these on sunday saturday night i'll be staring at the dock and i'll just try to think about my week or sunday morning i'll just try to type things down have notes because i tend to do a lot of freestyle and lately i've been having trouble like coming up with things and i'm like do i watch anything well i realized this week i watch a lot of one-off television okay and i just don't remember it because i just i, I gotta turn my brain off you channel surf <laughs> though too so it's i do not like i you, do i'm straight out of the 90s you go in and you say i am going to watch this now <laughs> and then you recall it i realize too i like as far as like binging tv i like one season binges right i don't like the, the inundation of like these multi-season plot lost was kind of a slog to get through game of thrones i couldn't get into i want like give me one season something that can sustain me so you hold grudges against all of serialized drama dramatic television unless Emmy they're worthy, great emmy worthy dramatic television like breaking bad was easy to get so the sopranos is still great by the way too yes. every time that comes on i i am watching multiple episodes that's probably the best thing i actually watch this week the games are pretty good last night but here we go <laughs> right, so stealing your thunder with again. all that in mind here's what I did watch this week. It is WrestleMania season. I did have that joke at the top, but that is coming up next Sunday. Uh, and with that in mind, there's this video podcast called OSW Review. It's the old school wrestling review podcast. They've been doing this for a couple years. It's really amazingly well done. It's just three guys that have a set and they play old wrestling videos that like play an event and they'll play the video of the event and kind of talk over it but it's not mystery science theater way they it's they very enjoy it. it's segmented and they cut it up and they have it so it flows and follows their conversations it's really interestingly edited and it's a really high quality job but they are very funny and very enjoyable and and they could read and talk about whatever and i would be into it so it's a really good job it's on youtube they also have their site oswreview.com if you're a wrestling fan at all you haven't heard of them definitely go check them out what does osw stand for oscar sprint wrestling <laughs> god i I wish. Uh, old School Wrestling <laughs> Review Podcast. <laughs> old School Wrestling Review. Uh, like Top it. Chef Season 16. I tore through that this week. I just watched the entire fucking thing. You were hungry. I don't know what I was, but for whatever reason, <laughs> I just kept... I can consume those because they're just mindless. Is Top Chef Gordon Ramsay? No, Top Chef is Padma and uh, Tom Colicchio okay. and that it's the Bravo thing but ask me who won I have no idea but you enjoyed the reality show I mean I've watched a bunch of Food Network stuff in my day that's what I use it like how you how you're able to put on movies as background noise that's like what I use for background noise okay. just mindless things that mean nothing to me but are the most important moments of these people's lives I like Food Network I like travel channel stuff I really yeah. haven't branched out and gone to any other food shows on any other network you're better off for it because this list is just the slot <laughs> <laughs> uh, Total Forgiveness is another show on Dropout. We talked to Brendan Lee Mulligan, obviously, one of our first MMO interviews episodes. That yep, was a great talk. Humor. Some of his co-workers there at College Humor, Grant O'Brien, Ali Beardsley, they have a show, really is like a current show, speaking on current issues. They It's called Total Forgiveness. The two of them have to challenge each other in like this 10-episode arc to do these increasingly awkward things. And if they do the challenges, they get a set amount from the company to pay towards their student loans. 
because they both are so much in debt with their loans. That's funny. And if they don't do the challenge of that given week, the challenger gets that person's money as well. This past week, Grant O'Brien was challenged by Ali. He had to sell all his belongings at the flea market, and he had to make $1,000, or otherwise the money for that week would go to Ali. He didn't do it. Uh, spoiler, I guess, but they're only 20-minute episodes. He didn't do it. At the same time, Ali was challenged to, like, sell this pyramid scheme that Grant, it's fake a fake pyramid scheme that Grant just created, but sell it as a real pyramid scheme with the supplements and the powders and the vitamins to her three roommates who she had just moved in with. So incredibly awkward stuff. My skin was crawling off my body. I tweeted about this, but oh it, God. it was, it's high value entertainment. And it really goes to show just how screwed uh, our generation is with student loan debt. The previous generation, generation or generation have screwed us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in trouble. This, this. We just should be called the Screw Generation. Yeah. Well, the planet's going to hell. And in that vein, uh, I watched Miracle Workers, which is a half-hour sitcom on TBS where Steve Buscemi plays God, and, and uh, Daniel Radcliffe is in it. One of the women from Blockers, Geraldine Viswanathan, is in it. Uh, they are unbelievably charming. I am in love with them both, and it's a really creative and heartwarming and it gave me a lot of goosebumps and it's a lot of great subtext and a great message about earth oh, but good. they they are miracle workers god steve buscemi is like a, a hipster god and he's decided that he's sick of earth so he's just going to blow it up and and viswanathan and radcliffe are workers in heaven and they have to make a miracle happen in exchange for god to not blow up earth it's a really quick binge i think it's only seven episodes for like 20 minutes each yeah those quick comedies yeah. things right now on tv that's my go-to as well so OSW, Old School Wrestling, yeah. Top Chef Season 16, Total Forgiveness on College Humor's Dropout, and you had Miracle Workers. Yeah. So, see by skip. Those, I, those, those. I will buy Miracle Workers. It was very, very good. Excellent. I will uh, see OSW review because I think that's a very high quality content, especially if you are if you're at all a wrestling fan at, in any aspect, even if you don't keep up with the product. Those three guys really make it entertaining. Um... You could skip Top Chef. <laughs> you don't have to watch it. <laughs> I would I would say if you do have any kind of student loan debt, total forgiveness is absolutely relatable. So you've also so you could, bought that. Yeah, you could see that or buy that as well without question. But very cheap purchase on Dropout. Right. It's like, could, I think it's like four or five bucks a month Dropout is now. They really do have some high quality shows. But yeah, that's I actually watched things this week, but I realized it's just not movie related stuff because I'm a bad person. No, you're you're actually, <laughs> you know, getting away from cinema and letting your brain fry a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Probably healthy. <laughs> because we're gonna we're going to be reviewing a ton of movies. Yes, Come especially on. in the immediate future. But before we talk about that, let's talk about some audience interaction things. Our main event. We had it's gonna be a kind of a long segment this week because we had a like I said at the top, a bunch of MMO ask questions with a lot of creative input from you guys. We had our six degrees of MMO, and that's what we will lead off with here. Six degrees of MMO, hashtag all one word, six degrees of MMO. Spelled out. Haley Lou Richardson to Jordan Peel was the challenge this week, and like usual, you guys did not disappoint, Michael. Couple of quick ones, Scott. Jay Davis at Scott Wright's film says, easy. Haley Lou Richardson was in Operation Finale, which starred Oscar Isaac, who was in Star Wars with Lupita Nyong'o. It was in Us, with obviously directed by Jordan Peele. So, bing, bang, boom. Quick and dirty, yeah. Hunter Hillman, Heilman, I'm sorry, at Hunger Human, great name. Haley Lou Richardson was in Columbus, which starred Sean Cho, who was in the reboot of The Twilight Zone, produced and starring Jordan Peele. Have you taken in The Twilight Zone yet? Not yet. Me neither. Hulu? Or this it's is uh, CBS. CBS All Access, yeah. 
I wonder if that's on Hulu. Maybe if it's on Hulu, I'll check it out because we just got Hulu again. Cancel CBS? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I saw Us. So we did a four-episode arc on Us. So, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. But there you go. John Cho and bang, that was that. Yeah. Nice job. Uh, speaking of one or two-parters, uh, Ben Miller, at Nebis Ben, longtime uh, MMO listener in this. Hall of Famer. Yeah. He says Haley Lou was in The Bronze with Thomas Middleditched, who voiced a character in Captain Underpants the first movie with Jordan Peele. And I kept saying all the time that it's always going to go through Captain Underpants. <laughs> uh, Elizabeth Cadenhead, this is from Instagram now, had a couple that she was nice enough to put forward. Haley Lou was in Columbus with Parker Posey. Parker was in Clock Watchers with Tony Collette, of course, of uh, hereditary fame there. Tony was in About a Boy with Rachel Weiss. Rachel was in The Constant Gardener, which Lupita Nyong'o was a production assistant on. Cool! And Lupita was in Us with Jordan Peele, wrote and directed or, Elizabeth says, she gave us two to ponder on this week. Jordan Peele was in Wanderlust with Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer was in Office Space with Gary Cole. Gary Cole was on The Good Wife with Alan Cummings. Alan was in Josie and the Pussycats with Parker Posey. And Parker, like she said, was in Columbus with Haley Lou Richardson. I love when people give us multiple avenues, and those avenues take us through multiple different places, like The Good Wife of CBS. CBS, CBS getting a lot of shout out shout outs this week, by the way. But a CBS drama, and then we're going through uh, the couple movies there. I, I really appreciated that. Lupita Nyong'o as production a production assistant. assistant. That's really cool. Excellent job. Oh, the depressed moviegoer <laughs> at depressed movie says Haley Lou was an Edge of Seventeen, which is not a depressing movie, which got the name from a Stevie Nicks song which is kind of a depressing song yes stevie <laughs> was in american horror story with angela bassett who was in black panther with winston duke who was just directed by jordan peele in us that's six surely and he also appreciated your impression of what a depressed moviegoer would be from last week's episode right. <laughs> mark burgundy a uh, frequent flyer himself as well at the one hansen hansen h-a-n-s-e-n Haley lou richardson was in follow with don most who was in happy days with henry winkler of course who was in scream with courtney cox herself in zoom with chevy chase doing a lot of one name titles here chevy chase was in vacation with ed helms who was in captain Underpants with Jordan Peele. I told you all roads lead to Captain Underpants. Happy days to scream. I really enjoy that. Yeah. I think he's speaking right to us there. Yeah. Henry Winkler <laughs> to both scream. Si both sides of the coin there. To Chevy Chase, which is Mark Burgundy, <laughs> longtime listener. He knows us very well. You cut to the core of the Baxter. <laughs> J.R. at Jim, B-O-C-C-P-A-S. F-186 says Richardson was in Split with McAvoy. McAvoy was in It Chapter 2 foreshadowing with Bill Hader, who was in Inside Out with Amy Poehler, who was in First Day of Camp, Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp with Jordan Peele. That might be the hardest I've laughed episode to episode in a TV it series in a long good. time. It was very good and very random because I don't think there was a lot of lead up to that coming out as at all. Just great. Uh, Audrey Radjack at Audrey underscore Radajack. Haley Lunch Richardson, the cheap one, I don't know if that was a typo, but that made me chuckle, uh, was in Five Feet Apart with Cole Sprouse, who stars on Riverdale, with where Archie's mom is played by Molly Ringwald, who stars in Pretty Pink. Her co-star is Andy Potts, who voices Bo Peep in Toy Story 4, wow. in which Jordan Peele voices the character of Bunny. That's a lot a of Pixar movies getting shouted out, too. Deep dive. Yeah, I like and, that. Uh, I love the Pixar movie announcement from our last episode, yeah. so yes, get ready for that, and uh, it fits our brand once again. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners know us. Yasna's got two here, Mike. She says Haley Lou Richardson in Operation Finale with Oscar Isaac, who's in Annihilation with Natalie Portman, who was the Dior House ambassador. Yeah. 
Sure. And John David Washington <laughs> wore a Dior tuxedo at the 76 Golden Globes, where he was a nominee for Black Klansman, produced by Jordan Peele. I'm not going to look that up to fact check it. I'm just going to take your word for it. It's a great job there. Give us uh, another one from Yasna here. Again, that's at Y-C-A-V-I-E-R-E-S. Haley Lou was in Split, directed with M. Night Shyamalan, who also directed The Last Airbender, which featured Dev Patel, who was a 2018 ambassador for Ermin Gildo Zenga. Luxury men's clothing. Again, not fact-checking that. Don't even know if it's a real thing. And Lakeith Stanfield attended Zanga's winter 2018 show. Lakeith himself, of course, was in Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele. Fashionista, Yasna, is this week. That's incredible. And yeah, Ermin... Nagildo Zegna, please, we'll be your ambassadors too <laughs> in the podcast arena and send us some uh, luxury men's clothing. Please, so, because absolutely. all I have is like this sweatshirt. <laughs> so we said this as a probable winner because you kind of, you know, put it out there yeah. on Twitter. Bad Reception Podcast Mike at Bad Reception Pod. They say Haley Lou Richardson was in The Bronze with Gary Cole. Cole was in the Brady Bunch movie with Florence Henderson. Henderson was in the music video. Amish Paradise Amazing. by Weird Al, Amazing. who is in Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job with Tim Heidecker, of course, acting in Us, directed by Jordan Peele. Yeah, that's the winner for a couple reasons. One, Weird Al. <laughs> Two, <laughs> having the recall to remember that Florence Henderson was in. Like, you either have that kind of recall because you're such an ardent fan, or you actually looked up and spent time researching Florence Henderson Weird Al connections. Absolutely. And that's what you came up with. Absolutely. <laughs> so he either knew, way, you deserve credit. He, he knew he wanted Amish Paradise in there. <laughs> and then <laughs> and he built outwards from there. That's, that is a great job. So Mike. congratulations. Bad Reception Podcast, Mike, at Bad Reception Pod. You are the winner. You get all the bragging rights to the Six Degrees Throne this week. Uh, Mike, tell them what the next challenge is going to be for next week. So next week's challenge, and we do promise we're going to do it next week. Yes. We're going to try and do this more weekly. We have coming up a preview of next week's theatrical releases. So here are two stars from those. Aretha Franklin is going to be in a documentary, Amazing Grace, about this epic concert she gave uh, at a church service. And, of course, we have the best of enemies, Sam Rockwell. So it's going to be Aretha Franklin to Sam Rockwell. Taraji P. Henson is making friends with KKK member Sam Rockwell, who's again playing a racist. Yeah, I really hope he's playing a different role at some point. <laughs> Somehow make friends between Aretha Franklin and Sam Rockwell. We've been giving you easy ones, same generation ones. Now we give you a hard one once again. We hope. We think. <laughs> We hope, so we're going to challenge you with that. So that's next week, Six Degrees of MMO. Moving on, though, with some other audience interaction stuff, we did have a couple questions that you guys certainly indulged us in answering, so here was the first one. I said, excluding any superheroes, which means no MCU characters, no DCEU characters, which movie character or characters would be best equipped to defeat Thanos? We're just going to run down some of the suggestions. Uh, JunkAboutMoviesPod at FilmInquiry.com said Vader's got this. Vader came up a lot. Vader probably's got. It. He's probably got. It. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a matchup, though. Especially you know. After and they the, can do it. Everything's under the Disney umbrella now, so the, the capabilities of Vader shown in the last twenty years in movies. I agree. He did something in one of the prequel type movies that was cool. It. it was cool. <laughs> Movie Geek and Proud posted a gif of Problem Child and all his ginger evil Michael. I was forced to watch Problem Child <laughs> as a young kid because my parents were like so adamant that 
he reminded them of me because I was such a bad I child. I could see that. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of relations. You're a bad there. adult. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Brunch with the Hollowells, a charmed podcast, posted and saying the Purple People Eaters. I at first read that and thought they were talking about the Vikings defense of the 70s. So that's <laughs> I, my brain. I think that's very clever because <laughs> Thanos is purple. Tom Hanks, Defense Force with a C, said Forrest Gump would run off with the Infinity Stones. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you would think Thanos could catch him, but all right. Uh, we had the Christopher Ryder, friend there from off Instagram, saying Detective Alan Gamble, which is Will Ferrell's character from the other guys. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Ryan L. Terry at RL Terry1, longtime listener and friend, says it's not from a movie, but Consuela. Even Thanos has to sit on the porcelain throne. She, of course, is from Family Guy, and she will awkwardly stare at him to death and say, no, 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 to his plans of conquest. All the Revenge of the Fallen posters, instead of that glowing A with this, the purple light, would just be Lemon Pledge. <laughs> Epic Film Guys at Epic Film Guys. Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter, played by Imelda Staunton. Tell me I'm wrong. Bitch will have 10 degrees up in Hogwarts against Thanosing by afternoon tea. Probably accurate <laughs> probably accurate and then the cinema guys at the cinema guys said nicholas cage and <laughs> i asked them to explain which nicholas cage and they of course answered correctly they said if you take one cage don't you have to get them all <laughs> it's a multiple personality power you don't know what cage will come at you thanos wouldn't know what to do so you could look forward to our 13 part series coming up breaking down <laughs> which nicholas cage character would be best equipped to battle thanos for the fate of the universe on the line. We also had some listeners who are not podcast hosts, or at least that we know of, give some awesome responses as well. This was one of the best ones. It made me laugh yeah. hard. JB at JBIN Nova posted a gif of, get this, the three ninjas. But it wasn't the three ninjas. It was like the gif where they're pulling out their costumes and their drawers are one on top of another. Yes, three brothers. I are. laughed so hard when I saw that. Me too. Me and too. Imagine, like, I would imagine it would be a big dramatic buildup and the, the like. The costumes are getting it and they put them on and then like they fight, they're ready to fight Thanos and he just like destroys them. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Thanos' gear is not, you know, posted on a stick in his, you know, in front of his farm, but it's also in a drawer too and he pulls out his and then three ninjas come right they back. They only defeat him by pouring jelly beans down his throat. <laughs> That's how they get Thanos. We all watch that show. That uh, I think this is Bajian Nick. I'm, I apologize if I mispronounce that. But Wojciech Visor, W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-W-I-E-C-Z-O-R. Uh, he will. It's a gift. Tommy Wiseau from Room. <laughs> yep. Tommy Wiseau would scare a lot of people. Yasna and Koi at... Koi, K-H-O-I, 1297. They both want the bride from the Kill Bills. Great choice. That one would be interesting. That'd at least be a fair match. Well, no, because, again, she's human. She'd die. But it'd be a, a fun matchup. The lead-up would be fun. It would sell me. Uh, Neri Sainz at N-E-R-Y-S-A-E-N-Z and MC Myers from at Film Objective uh, want with the genie from the animated Aladdin, Robin Williams. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. That's funny. And he's got the powers to match. Yeah, I, I, I could see that being a battle that would just never end. Never-ending <laughs> battles. 
which is what we want in the MCU. Yeah, that's all we could ask for, and that's what Avengers Endgame is going to be at 182 minutes. Avengers prequel to the next uh, Endgame, <laughs> which will never end because another 20 movies. Thank you very much. Deus Ex Macchiato <laughs> at Jason Thigpen 12. He goes, I think Mama would make him snap himself out of existence. This was great. Of course, he's referring to Kim Greist from Throw Mama from the Train. <laughs> she was also hilarious in The Goonies, who I believe should fight Thanos in a screenwriter's nightmare <laughs> slash greatest achievement in underdog writing yourself into a corner glory. That yeah, was... Jason followed up with a tweet. He's trying to snap me. I asked for the reality stone. He brought me the time stone. The time stone makes me choke. <laughs> That's a great impression. You, you never do great I can do one. <laughs> and that one, of course, is Kim Greist. <laughs> so we had another question. Top five animated films. This, of course, is from our Top Five M Animated Film episode. We also asked you for the songs. Going to start off with one top five and then kind of give people's, you know, number ones. Yeah. Films on trial at Film Trials. They said no particular order, which I respect. I do respect. It's tough to rank these. It really is. They say Jungle Book, Hercules, The Emperor's New Groove, The Lion King, and Moana. Then they ask, does this count? We say, yes, it does count. Yeah, so going through all these, I was, like, surprised by how frequent some of the, like, for me anyway, lesser known or lesser sure. seen Disney properties were mentioned. Like the Emperor's New Groove. It's Everywhere. Not, yeah, it was all over the people's top fives, which is awesome to see. I just didn't have that sort of relationship with it. But Colby Mack, frequent flyer here, at Colby told me, I'll, I'd addly add on in no order to round out 10, <laughs> You're Welcome, which of course is the song sung by The Rock in Moana. From Moana. Uh, Damon Sumner at Damon JR said, Under the Sea. Now there are a lot of Little Mermaid love on this thread as well uh collateral cinema at c cinema podcast little mermaid was there number one to prove my point yeah i i feel like that's kind of like that is the age that we grew up in right, right. the little mermaid area and growing, building up from there that was like i think mermaid was 89 so beauty and the beast followed and then what else followed Aladdin, of course. Aladdin Lion followed, King. yes, so, thank you, Lion So King. people a little younger than us, our younger siblings would say... They would say from Chris737 at K Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N 737, their number one was Hunchback, so five Hercules, four Lion King, three Robin Hood, which was said a couple times too, two Aladdin and one Hunchback of Notre Dame, so that's a little beyond us, right? That Those are like some of your little brothers had attachment. We're still watching them, sure. but yes, the, the, the little brothers love those movies maybe more than we do. Renard N. Bonsai at Blue Fox 94 When You Wish Upon a Star classic from yeah, Pinocchio why not number one it's... A Whole New World Aladdin like some others Alayani Silvermist longtime listener we love her stuff yes. as well Alayani EQ at her for me my Disney movie love is rated by quality and personal reasons of course that was our thesis statement number one was Beauty and the Beast Mike <laughs> Lady and the Tramp <laughs> Lion King Hercules <laughs> Jungle Book at Cinema Must also had Beauty and the Beast number one what is the second line to that song I cannot remember it Tale as old as time. Rising in the East? No, that's like the that fourth line. That can't be. <laughs> rising in the East. Uh, no, now I have to look sense. it up. Right. Beauty and the Beast <laughs> song lyrics. Doing this live on the podcast. Tale as old as time. True as it can be. True so that'll that should calm down everyone that was just yelling at this episode I in their cars right I now. I think they're wrong. I think it's right. It's true as it can be, you idiots! That <laughs> uh, Cinemas also had Beauty and the Beast number one. Uh, Ryan L. Terry and you 
had this vendetta against me. Uh, he and <laughs> you... Which is becoming a thing. Yeah, it's not the first time this is broken down in this way. You both say Be Our Guest is number one, but he also had The Emperor's New Groove in his top animated films as well. Yeah, he's like, a, he, I guess he's younger than us. It has to be, I right? I don't think so. Yeah, The Emperor's New Groove, I really didn't... Ex I don't think I know anyone that's seen it. I don't think I've watched I it. I have seen it for sure. I remember nothing from yeah. it. Yeah. Other than it's like The Emperor's New clothes parody okay but if it is again i haven't seen it wouldn't that just be a naked man walking around the whole movie as disney animated kids i film? don't think they went that way with it i don't remember <laughs> tell us ryan i'll tell you <laughs> glenn mcgregor at maka one k-n-o-b-i uh, lion king and aladdin of course two classics that again our whole age range was kind of grazed on at one point or another yeah and mariana fernandez at mariana underscore furfab mm. i love that f-e-r-f-a-b daniel b at neb is ben bad reception podcast mike jack from tom hanks defense force and someone from the in session film podcast count they have many people at that account i don't know if it was jd or brendan but they all thought the lion king was their number one film like me so i essentially i was the one who categorized these uh submissions <laughs> and i tried to rise up my argument against you here i guess yeah good job uh, <laughs> It's done subconsciously and then consciously. It's not the first time Very I've been put in the minority by you structuring <laughs> these episodes. Cinema Recall had I Want to Be Like You number one for their song. Can you give us a couple bars from that? I want to be like you. <laughs> Thank you. Then <laughs> that's it. No more. I'm our sorry. And our true crime podcast had Prince Ali as their number one song. Which I well. think we you know neglected yeah we didn't episode. mention that and that was that's bad a, on our part that's a great song yeah great song alex at gloucester alex they said snow white and the seven dwarfs i think we kind of underrated snow white so well. that's another thing as far as like the two things that surprised me most one was like i said having those lesser known 90s 2000s era disney ones show up in a lot of top fives the other thing that i expected that i didn't get was having a lot of people having classics near the top of their list like from the 50s 60s era sure. snow white obviously 1937 but not a lot of people had those in their ones and twos which i kind of expected they would but it proved me wrong and that's that's really cool to see the the length and the amount of breadth that the disney animated films had the as far as impact on people's upbringings so one more question before we tease you about the other big question we yes. had which we're going to, you know, create a whole series. Why is your podcast would have spaced these out over weeks? <laughs> <laughs> but the most underrated horror sequel and in honor of our Hellboy podcast we dropped uh, today was in your tweet with Hellboy 2 coming soon. What's your most underrated horror sequel ever? April Dawn is a friend of ours. We chat a lot on Twitter over the, over the months and years here at April 13 Dawn. So many people skipped Annabelle Creation and it's so good. I think that's 4-0 she put on. So, yet everyone saw The Nun, which I hated. Very upsetting. We co sign because having done the Conjuring Universe rewatch that we did um, we realized once the nun started about 20 minutes in we made a grave mistake. Grave mistake. <laughs> We're going to review these four films in a huge series because the nun is a can't miss from James Wan yeah. and company. Yeah, whoops. But, but we liked Animal Creation. It was, I mean, it's, it you know, underrated probably mm -hmm. describes it pretty well. We enjoyed watching Annabelle 1. That was yeah. a fun, you know, review. Despite the actress <laughs> in it. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, bodice Tipplers. It's got to be Bodice. It's got to be Bodice. At 
boat ice at <laughs> B Tipplers. They say Fright Night 2. I remember it resonated with me because I loved that, sh- that Charlie's girlfriend did the saving. I was pretty young when I saw it, so it would have been one of the first instances of badass chicks in horror I would have come across. This is the reason I asked the question, too, because I was hoping to get some movies that I had either forgotten about or never heard of that I want to watch because I'm a big horror junkie. Yeah. I don't think I've seen the original Fright Night. I love the original Fright Night, and I like the remake, too. The Colin Farrell one? I like the Colin like Farrell remake. Okay, it was pretty good. I, I don't love Colin Farrell on a lot of things. Me either. He was good in this. <laughs> I really good. I really enjoyed that. And Fright Night 2 is something I've never seen. All right, yeah, this might be worth checking out at some point soon. Uh, Drunk Netflix Reviews at Drunk Netflix 28 Weeks Later, which I have seen. I don't know that I'd call it underrated. I don't know that I'd call it necessarily great. <laughs> It was okay. It was kind of scary, right? It wasn't as scary as the original. I didn't freak. None of those movies did it for me. I don't know why. 28 Days Later scared me. Did it? And yeah. a lot of people said they were like freaked out by it. I just watched it. I was like, eh, maybe because I'm terrible. I don't know. Maybe your nerve endings are dead. <laughs> it could other be that too. crazier horror films. <laughs> then, of course, Wes Hightower 1980 at underscore Wes. Wow, he got that good handle there. Underscore Wes. Nobody else has that handle, but Wes Hightower 1980. Yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. Who are you? I'm Wes. <laughs> underscore, I'm underscore, I'm underscore West. West. Gosh darn it. And he just basically, you know, came back at our question and said, is there such a thing? Then he put in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 just as in passing, which actually wasn't the only person uh, that put Nightmare on Elm Street 2 as far as their underrated horror classics. I think Ryan L. Terry did as well. Listen, thank you all so very, very much. Uh, for those of you that submitted whose answers we didn't get to, please keep answering because part of the joy for MMO Weekly and why we started this was to highlight uh, what you guys think and what your guys' thoughts are and to bring them up and discuss them and talk about them and actually put them out to a wider audience so maybe we can all kind of enjoy the same movies together uh, and you guys didn't disappoint with these questions so whether it's a six degrees whether it's an mmo asks whether you guys have questions for us that we've answered on mmo weekly at different times as well uh, we want to just keep this as interactive as possible and keep you guys give you a reason to keep coming back and tuning in so thank you we set a week high score this past yeah. week with yeah. uh, audience interaction. So that was awesome. We, we had too many, of course. So I won't be asking another question until like 2021. I'm tapped. <laughs> no, great job with the questions. <laughs> Mike won. He has to ask most of those. I, I think I had one. I had one that was kind of a hit with the uh, five uh, animated films. But we asked it together on the podcast. So I'm not good at questioning. You're the counselor. You're the lawyer. You're better at questioning than I am. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but listen, we had another question that was our biggest hit of the week that we're not going to mention to you now, except except for the fact that it is probably going to start its own podcast series from us. Yeah, what if we took some of these inputs that we had in a different question and we turned it into its own series? That'd be something fun, right? I think it works. Yeah. I really do. I think it's going to be an awesome series upcoming, so hopefully you are teased. You can find us at MM and Oscar on Twitter so you can see what we're referring to if you want that spoiler because it was a big deal for us. Yeah, and a lot of people responded to it and it got our minds thinking and, and our programming minds thinking, so I think that's going to be coming to you soon. We've been working on it for a while. You know, just uh, keep an eye out. Yeah, we got a lot of fun things that we're pitching. See what'll happen. On recent episodes at Disney Top 5's big announcement there. Yeah. We have obviously teased that, and we we probably gave it away a few minutes ago, but listen to that episode for that big announcement. Sure. Now let's move on here with uh, some of the MMO Weekly staples. We'll talk about the box office report for this week, Mike. And you said last week you thought us might outpace Dumbo. I didn't think it would be close, but it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. It was close. Dumbo underperformed for a one 
seventy million dollar budget, and that's bad money that it that it made forty five million uh, domestically this weekend. Didn't even make its money back overseas. One sixteen worldwide total, seventy one international take. That's not good. Not great. We knew from the Captain Marvel projections that they were looking for something with a hundred seventy million dollar budget to make above seventy five million. Then they know they're making money. Here they may not make money. Yeah, no, it doesn't look great. Us was in second place again, uh, ha- having dropped from number one last week, but it did make almost another $34 million just domestically, never mind what it did internationally as well. It's up to 174.5 for its worldwide box office. Again, you've heard all the records that it's broken, uh, how it's the, the second highest grossing a film, like an original script ever. I don't know how else to say that. It's sec- it's only behind Avatar. Uh, in other words, it's going to spawn a franchise. You would think we're going to get an Us 2 from this, right? We might, but I don't know. I think Jordan Peele's enough of a brand. One and done? I think, yeah. I mean, he'll just come out with another original property, another original story, and people will go and see uh, Jordan Peele. Get Out finished with 176 during the life of its domestic box office run. Us right now, with its two weeks in theaters, has done 128 domestically. You think it's going to top Get Out. Either way, even if it doesn't, were it to stop in theaters right now, just the 128 and the 176, his two films have done both. They average out to over 150 for a domestic box office rank. Two original, two horror, two with the black leads. Amazing stuff. Relatively small budget, too. This was only... Very small, yeah. $20 million budget for this for the you know his follow-up. And what was Get Out? Four and a half, I think we said? Yeah. I mean, not even $25 million for these two films that make $300 million combined? That's awesome numbers. Universal's got to be beside themselves for investing in this guy. Captain Marvel still doing well. $20 million on the weekend. $353, $636 between domestic and worldwide. Yeah, it's a 990 worldwide box office right now. $990 million. I thought it was going to take at least two or three weeks to reach a billion, but it's going to do it this week. Yeah. It's, it's getting there. Ten more to go. Five feet apart, six million. Unplanned, six million. And then, to, to mention, the Beach Bum did 1.8 million at 1,100 screens. I hope to catch that this week, but we're so super busy. I don't know if I'll be able to. Gotta use my AMC pass again, Mike. They're making money on me. <laughs> I knew it. I, they just hooked you. That, that theater's too far away from us. Oh, yeah. Dumbo, Unplanned, and the Beach Bum were the three newbies entering the top ten at one, five, and ten, respectively. Gotta go all the way down to 28 and 29 for the box office on the week where Diane and Slut in a good way, those were the other two new ones to rank in. The Brink also had its first week out in theaters at 31, only came into four theaters. Diane in three theaters, Slut in a good way in seven. So that's pretty much it. Not a whole lot new. We're going to see what it's coming up against next week. And there are some big names coming out next week, but we'll talk about that right now in Do You Care? This is the Do You Care section. We talk about news stories that happened or are going to happen, and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? And how we start off Do You Care every week is by talking about the upcoming releases for this week. So, Mike, this week in theaters, we have The Best of Enemies, like you just cited in our Six Degrees there, with mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell and Taraji P. Henson, coming out in 1,600-plus theaters. Pet Cemetery the remake, coming out in 3,400 theaters uh, nationwide. Shazam, having its official debut in 4,100-plus theaters. We also have Amazing Grace, which you just talked about in Six Degrees with Aretha Franklin 
Franklin as well. Peter Liu, which you also mentioned. And the win, do we care about any of these? I do. I care about all of them, in fact. All of them? Wow. surprising. The Best of en- Enemies, Taraji P. Henson, Sam Rockwell. We reviewed the trailer for like an Oscar trailer six or something. And uh, I'm waiting for critical reception, but that could be an outside-the-box Oscar possibility. So I care. I don't like the release date for it, but we'll see. We're going to review Pet Cemetery yep. at the end of the week. At least we're planning to. We already reviewed Shazam last week on the MMOW show after seeing early uh, an early preview on that. Uh, Amazing Grace, this could be best documentary feature worthy, but with Aretha Franklin giving that concert. Peter Lou, Mike Lee, I reviewed it up top. Yeah. I, I think it's better than uh, we feared. And The Wind is a, a film festival horror film where we reviewed the trailer on one of those Oscar trailers or something as well that uh, looks freaky and it's like you got this plains woman who's going cuckoo on the plains in pioneer America there, Mike. So that's uh, what's com- hitting theaters. I want to ask you, because you're the couch potato. Sure am. Recent and coming soon to Netflix, we had last week's The Dirt. It came and went 40%er. And now this week we had The Highwaymen starring Woody Harrelson, Kevin Costner, Kathy Bates. Again, didn't get a great critical score, 51%. From director John Lee Hancock, who I need to correct the record on because I recently confused him with Tate Taylor. Hancock <laughs> directed The Blind Side, The Founder, Saving Mr. Banks. Taylor directed The Help, Girl on a Train, Get On Up. Denzel Washington is not doing a new movie with Tate Taylor. is doing a new movie with with uh, Hancock. Do you care about my correcting the record or these two Netflix films? No. I don't care about any of it. <laughs> uh, I, I, John Fusco is the writer of The Highwaymen. He did Young Guns, I wasn't crazy about. He did Hidalgo, which was boring as hell to me. He Made my s- younger brother cry, uh, though, which was funny. Uh, Remember that story? I, I, vaguely, yeah, now that you mention <laughs> it, actually. But yeah, I just don't, nothing about that suggests that it's going to be something I would waste my time on, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, it seems like Kevin Costner would be slipping back to his old ways, maybe, where he like was making these long, drawn-out dramas for a paycheck. Yeah, I mean, the last time he was really a detective was what? The Untouchables? I mean, he's more of an FBI guy there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it doesn't do it for me. And I'm like you. Motley Crue has never appealed to me. No. I'm just not a Motley Crue guy. I don't even guy. like their music. It's, you know, girls, 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 that's fine. <laughs> no, not, that's that's not, it. That's you know, either. yeah. The, the most attachment I had to Motley Crue was like growing up in the era where the Pamela Tommy Lee sex tape was like the thing you talked about at school, even though nobody knew who the hell either person was. What is sex? Yeah, <laughs> but we'll talk about the sex tape. Right, that's pretty much it. So unless that's mentioned in the movie at some point, and it goes to the alls of an elementary school, unless they reenact. <laughs> I I don't. I just have nothing for either one of those, so I'm sorry. Maybe that makes me a bad person. Tell me if you've seen them, if you've taken the time to watch either one of those on Netflix, if you enjoyed them and you think the scores uh, from the review sites are wrong. I would love to hear it, but from the reviews I've seen so far, it kind of goes in step with what those numbers have been. So, Michael Spielberg and Apple TV, they did this big announcement, this big hullabaloo. Apple TV Plus is coming. They had a huge, like, preview, sizzle reel vignette type thing. Steven Spielberg's attached, Jennifer Aniston and Kristen Dunst are attached, Oprah's attached, big names in Hollywood. Do you care? I do, because I think this could be something that where 
Spielberg's past statements about Netflix come into play, and you can get on him for his hypocrisy there, but we'll, I'll get to that in a minute. I just want to run down some of these shows. He's executing, producing Amazing Stories, which is an anthology series. Are You Sleeping is a true tr- crime series with Octavia Spencer, Aaron Paul, Lizzie Kaplan. I mean, all, the, all of these on the trailer reel have super high production values, by the way. Of course, we got Apple. A, we got a comedy about Emily Dickinson starring Haley Steinfeld, the famous poet, of course. <laughs> We have For All Mankind. This is Ronald D. Moore, creator of Battlestar Galactica, one of my favorite all-time shows. Oh, uh, were you? And, and, of course, Outlander. He asks, what if the space race never ended? I'm fascinated by that. Foundation. This is Isaac Asimov's sci-fi novels finally getting adapted. Little America. This is from Kumail Nanjiani, Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon. This is an anthology series about immigrants in America. Excited for that one. And we have The Morning Show starring Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Excited for this one, too, because apparently I thought they were going to be hosts. Right. But it sounds like they're like the showrunners for a morning show. So it's going to do with like all the behind the scenes stuff that they have to deal with and putting together. I think that could be cool. Yeah. Right. Terry Gim- Gilliam's Time Bandits is being redone by Taika Waititi. Interesting. And of course, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Rob McElhaney and Charlie Day are in a show where they're playing video games called Mac and Charlie Play Video <laughs> Games Until Their Eyes Bleed. I mean, we could do that. We just don't have the fan base. We just don't have the fan base. <laughs> We're getting there, though, with all these audience interactions. M. Night Shyamalan will premiere a drama series. And yeah, like, great. Like you said, tons of Oprah stuff. <laughs> Can't wait for everyone to be universally disappointed by the Shyamalan series. So it's a ton of high-quality stuff. Apple's a major player. They've been talking about buying Netflix. I wonder if that was negotiated at this point. All those stories coming out. So if, if that happens, maybe it becomes the enormous news that everybody should care about. You have Spielberg, of course, talking about how all this stuff should be up for Emmys and not Oscars, getting well, on Netflix original films. That's what I care about because there's a lot of people online that have been calling Spielberg a hypocrite for right. te- teaming up with Apple after all he's talked about badly about Netflix. I think this is a genius chess move by him. I don't know that I agree with his, his outcome but or what his thought process is, but, like, yeah, if you're going to say that everything streaming should only be Emmy-worthy, then why wouldn't you get involved with a streaming service, make high, high-quality and high-concept productions, and then advocate for them to only be Emmy-worthy? Because the second that Apple TV says the Oscars are more prestigious and oh. we're going to nominate them for the Oscars. No, see, that's uh, sure. But I would think, right, right with a guy like Amblin, with, with a production company like Amblin is, that Spielberg owns, and Spielberg himself, I wouldn't imagine he gets into bed with Apple without having that fleshed out first. I could see because why would Apple want a war with Steven Spielberg and vice versa? And we don't have any, you know, original films necessarily being. It sounds like a lot of series, yeah. Yeah, a lot of TV series. So yeah, I, I'll agree with you for now. And then once we have an Apple TV Plus, yeah, if Apple nominated if, for best, picture, if Apple pivots and wants to go off the Oscars, that's going to be fascinating. Right, it really is. I agree. Mike, do you care about the fact that Avengers Endgame has been confirmed at three hours, two minutes? It is official. Do you care? I I like to think that they're doing this in honor of my favorite band of all time, Blink-182, and 182 minutes is fitting. Uh, no, uh, that's a long way to go for a bad joke. No, I really don't. I care that it's above like two hours because I think we all need that. The The biggest take I have for the three hour and two minute runtime is how Nebus Ben has been like rallying on Twitter, calling everybody associated with the film a coward and wanting an intermission. <laughs> he keeps saying, give us a five minute intermission, you cowards. Do you want an intermission? I, I'm one of those that like, 
I've been watching movies enough where I always feel like I take a bathroom break at the right time. Like, I can feel it out. I know when I'm getting just an exposition dump You're or something. You're wrong, because you think so? I've seen you take bathroom breaks when I'm in the theater with you, and you never take them at the right time. I disagree. The biggest moments happen. No. Apollo 11 is, is a great example. <laughs> and you know, I know. And I'm like, I can't believe he's missing this. And he's going to come, and he's like, hey, what happened? <laughs> Can you tell me what happened? I'm going to give him the finger, and then everybody else is going to be staring at us. Yeah, the one guy that was in the theater that day with us. No, I like that it's three hours. I do think it deserves that. Does it need an intermission? I don't know. Do you want an intermission? I'd be intrigued by an intermission if they play that rousing song, right? If, like, Thanos is reeling back to punch someone and it just goes to black. <laughs> they give us a five-minute score, and then we just get up and just pretend to fight each other. <laughs> Yes, that would be the run of it. <laughs> okay. Mike, Alien was a high school play that went viral. We all saw this at some point this week. It got high praise from Ridley Scott himself. Sigourney Weaver even took note of it, and Ridley Scott actually went on to say that he was going to produce financing for them to have a higher quality Alien production in the future. Do you care? I do care. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's just a great story, a fun story, and the fact that Ridley Scott and Sigourney Weaver would reach out to yeah. these people and then put their money where their mouth is. I agree. That is, that is so much fun. I do care. Mike, Mark Hamill is going to voice Chucky in the Child's Play remake. This is big news because the the voice of Chucky from all those other films, very iconic. Well, I care, obviously. Mark Hamill's a great voice actor, did the voice of the Joker, most notably, in the Batman animated series for all those years. Everybody loved him. He kind of had a second life as an actor there uh, after the Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I care. Here's what I like care most about is that it's an MGM production the United Artists is releasing it. I'll tell you what I'm most surprised at, that this has a June 21st, 2019 premiere date. Right. This announcement was made March 30th. Yeah. They didn't have a Chucky voice attached to this property until March 30th, two months before the, the premiere. Was Brad Dorif playing hardball with them, you think? No, I can't imagine that's the case. I have to imagine. You don't go from, as much respect to Brad Dorf, but you don't go from Brad Dorf to Mark Hamill, right? Like, Hamill's got to be one of your first choices because he is such a prestigious name, one. But two, also, he is a huge voice actor in the but community. But the voice of Chucky is that's Brad Dorf. It's going to be, we but, know. But it's different. It's a different... They want it to be right. a different movie, right? They don't want it to just be a, a shot-for-shot remake of the original. So I, I guess it makes sense. I'm surprised... Camel's got to be making bank off this because he could have had them by the balls for them asking him this late in the game and they are that desperate for a Chucky voice. That's why I'm wondering yeah. if, if we had some hard... I think it's a great move. Do you, li- do you like the move? I like the move. I like Mark Hamill voicing the Joker yeah. in the cartoon Batman stuff. I like him I'm with you. I'm very excited to see that. I think it could be opening up a whole new generation of Child's Play fans and my God, the toys and products that they will make mm-hmm. uh, back, bank off of for this uh, movie. So I can't wait to see Which that. Which scares me about the you know state of humanity, by the way. I'm going to have so many Chucky dolls <laughs> lining these walls when you come in after that movie's released. <laughs> Why are they all following me with their eyes? Mike, Us was parodied on SNL last night, or two nights ago, if you're listening to this, on a Monday. Uh, was it good? I didn't see it. Tell me about it's it. It's a Discover Card commercial. It was very funny. It makes fun of Lupita's, your red character, a little bit, and the voice she does, like she's never spoken before. <laughs> and, like, of course, you know, us, af- after we don't record for a while, and when we start out in the intro, extra awkwardly. So I, I appreciated it on multiple levels, but bottom line, it's, it's, it's a funny parody. Worth watching. You can go the 
Hollywood Reporter, you go on YouTube or uh, SNL.com. I think they're part, they're part of NBC in terms of their streaming where you can look up all their skits. So absolutely. And here, Mike, to close out this segment, both of us do care, of course, about the passing of Agnes Varda, uh, subject and co-director of 2017's Best Documentary Feature, Oscar nominee Faces Places, also known from her work writing and directing Vagabond, Cleo from 5 to 7, and Le Bonheur. The world should care. She's a pioneer for women filmmakers everywhere. Of course, for the French New Wave, she will be missed. I have something to say as far as like celebrating... Uh, older Hollywood that's still around right now, we gotta have something that celebrates these people. Like, the death of these people, the passing of these people, shouldn't be the reason that people are turned on to them. Because I'll be honest, I didn't have an attachment to, to Agnes Varda mm-hmm. much at all, outside of being, you know, Faces Places. I knew that, but I didn't know her work, I didn't know her legacy, I wasn't familiar with it. We should have some sort of, maybe it's the Criterion Channel's job to do this, I don't know, maybe it's some streaming network's job to highlight this, but we have to have something that introduces much like how what I just said about Child's Play is going to introduce it to a whole new generation. We have to have something that introduces these old Hollywood greats to new generations that may not know them yet. Right. Uh, I, you know, I try to do my best to be as well-rounded, but something like this, someone with a legacy that she has, I feel like I should know her more than just what I hear about her on her passing. Well, I, there's a lot of good podcasts that, that do cover, you know, classic movies. There's yeah. a TCM podcast, Cinema, Cinema Recall, and the runner-up, you know, Oscar Watch podcast there. So they're our friends on Twitter, so they, they get very angry with you for saying that. But I think Apologies, yeah. No, but they, they definitely, you know hit on all these classic films and uh, of course the French New Wave is it might be outside their purview as well so that's where Criterion Collection comes into play and uh, and yes Agnes Varda you know a, gr- a great filmmaker I've seen a few films that she's directed or written and of course Faces Places I think you know film film school people have to watch these things back sure. in the day so and then of course you keep watching them after your film school days are over because you can't resist because it's so unique and the french new wave was just like addictive for a while there it was definitely a phase for me and agnes Varda is a big part of that so i can see Tur- tcm should do something like this too. bring in these long-standing directors while they're still around we still have them to learn from and have them be like de- dedicate a whole series around them let them talk let them i don't know i, I just wish there was more access to it but yeah like long-standing career directed movies all the way back from 1955 when she started doing shorts and documentary shorts her first feature film was that Cleo from 5 to 7 like you said 1962 made films all the way up until her passing in 2017 Faces Places she's also going to ha- take part in a TV series documentary Varda by Agnes which is I guess due to come out so excellent yeah you're right Big loss for Hollywood, big loss for women leaders and directors everywhere. We need to celebrate them more, and we should be turned on to them more, and I think we all have our own personal responsibility. I need to to do better myself about that type of thing. Yeah, no, definitely. uh, Hopefully her work does get a a boost at at this stage, and and that would be be a a good to come out of it at the end of the day. So we got some trailer thoughts, Mike. There's no way to transition, but uh, we'll transition anyway. Trailer! So we got two trailers this week. We're going to take them in tandem because apparently they're the same trailer because they both feature somewhere over the rainbow. Whoever sold the rights, <laughs> making a lot of money this week. Uh, the first one, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, finally has a full-length trailer. Andre Ovridal, director, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce it, director of Autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, Troll Hunter. I'm a big fan of his so far You know, with his career, and I, Jane Doe was, was a hell of a horror movie. But multiple gross shots and shots that gave me the willies in this trailer. So this is why you don't 
you make sure that you're the only one using an old song to adapt because this somewhere over the rainbow was more effective than the one in Godzilla King of the Monsters, which we're going to talk about next. And it really set the spooky stage. I thought very well. Uh, they had a great score attached to it. Yeah. There was some scary visuals without question. I'm kind of, I wasn't really all that into it, but now I, I am. I've seen what it is. I'm kind of interested to see what it is. Zombie lady with no big toe. Yeah, it happens. You know, humongous uh, walking down the hallway, zombie people scares the shit out of me that's gross we should open a hospital just to close a hospital and rent it out to hollywood productions because it's like the most the scariest setting for any horror movie it's pretty scary (laughs) and then you have a dermatological nightmare which is my greatest nightmare i'm scared yeah it definitely sets the mood very well this is what guillermo del toro should be doing i think this is where he's best we talked about that in a recent episode as well but the second trailer that we have this week features another creature feature godzilla king of the monsters it's the third trailer for godzilla features somewhere over the rainbow it's only a one minute trailer I think they're doing a better job setting the stage about what this movie is going to be versus the job they did, kind of the the ambiguous, if not just downright um, false setting of the stage they did in the first Godzilla movie. Yeah, this one's like almost a trailer for like a big fight. Right. You know, you got one monster, then the other, you know, Mothra and all that. And Godzilla's on the human side. Right. Which is established in this trailer and wasn't in the first one. Okay, yeah. I mean, it makes some sense because before you had Thomas Middleditch just (laughs) absolutely inquiring or begging Congress to let them be Godzilla's pets, as Ken Watanabe would say. But I I think this looks pretty terrific. The the visuals are incredible. I'm very impressed with all these trailers. My nine-year-old inner self is pretty pumped here mike yeah i am too and it does look quite stunning at least on my little uh app macbook screen here so i can't wait to see it i was actually impressed with the first godzilla movie it was a lot better than i thought i, I entertained it, it entertained yeah. me far more than i thought it would visually i thought it was excellent story-wise it is a redonkulous <laughs> just well that's and it didn't prepare nonsense. you that's that's the job it didn't do it like it sold you a different type of movie than what it actually was when you go in to see it, and you thought Brian Cranston was going to be a long-standing uh, character, and it was just all these lies. <laughs> Kong, uh, it was not called King of the Monsters, but King of the Jungle. What was Kong called? Skull, Skull Island. Island. Thank you. Yeah. The subtitles leave my brain. Is that getting here? Are they going to cross over? That's like the they plan, right? They have to go King Kong versus yeah. Godzilla, but uh, that had its moments, too. Oh, did I, I didn't see that. Yeah, Kong, okay. Skull Good. Island had, had a couple actually scary moments. Unique. So maybe we're at the point now where the visual technology has caught up and the story writing and the people that care about these types of properties right. have caught up enough to actually make decent monster movies once again. Because if you go back, like the Jack Black King Kong movie, I hated. Terrible. I did not like it much at all. It had a few moments. It had its moments, it, yeah. yeah, I agree. But I, I was not a fan of it. So uh, long. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we're at a point now where we actually get the right tone and the actual decent movies that will follow. And let's I hope that's the case. And let's see. Those are the only two new trailers that we highlighted this week. Uh, guys, as far as what we're doing, what we're, what's coming up, we got, like we said, a couple big announcements. Uh, we're going to start the kickoff to one of our series reviews and deep dives this week. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back, listen to our Disney Top 5 episode. That'll fill you in. We also tinted at it enough in this episode. You might be able to put it together. Uh, but that's going to be coming this week. We have another interview we think is on the table this week. We hope it doesn't fall through. It shouldn't, but you never know with those types of things. Uh, Mike, anything else? 
No, I just want my words of wisdom this week are just going to be thanking the audience because yeah, they're, they're awesome job with all the interaction with all the Twitter questions. Follow us at mm and Oscar on Twitter. I'll, I'll help you with that. Part thank of you, the, thank the you. Yeah, closing <laughs> thoughts here, but thank you guys. Yeah, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. Like Mike said, mm and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar dot com at gmail dot com and on Reddit. We're available everywhere you hear podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Be on the lookout. Like we said, if we didn't highlight your comments this week, we still thank you very, very much for your input, and we hope you keep it up. We hope we give you enough to keep up with, and we do enough to, to intrigue you to follow us and, and talk with us, because we love talking to you guys, and, and really your creativity is, is what draws us to keep coming up with questions, because you just consistently blow us away. So thank you for that. Uh, Michael gave you his words of wisdom, so I guess I will just say that when reality sucks, come watch movies with us. Have a happy Monday. Good luck this week. And, and anything final to add, Mike, even though you've done wisdom? Not wisdom necessarily, but rewatch Pet Cemetery because we had fun with that. Or at least listen to that episode because we cover it pretty thoroughly. To that episode, <laughs> and we're going to review the next Pet Cemetery, so we're, we're having fun. We'll check you out. A lot of things coming from us this week. We'll get with you guys next time. See ya.